time for Coffee with the Chicken Ladies, a podcast for people who love chickens. Hey, everybody, and welcome. It's Chrissy and Holly from Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We're here, and this is episode number 142 of our podcast, where we talk about everything chicken, family, fun, and more chickens. More chickens. We drink a ton of coffee. I'm talking a ton. But most importantly, we hug chickens every day. And we kiss them too. Don't forget. We brew coffee from a little coffee house in historic Gettysburg, PA. Bantam Coffee Roasters. Holly Ann, what kind of coffee are we brewing today? Today we're doing the Colombian coffee. It's delicious with notes of walnut, peach, and cocoa. And it is good, let me tell you. Even though it's hot outside, it's cold in our studio. Where can we find all this delicious coffee? BantamRoasters.com. And follow them on Facebook and Instagram. Okay, so are you ready to sip some of this delicious coffee and chat? I am, but first, a word from our sponsor. We have some exciting news to share from our sponsor, Grubly Farms. This month, you can receive 30% off if you're a first-time buyer. I'm a long-time subscriber, and my flock love the healthy, nutritious treats. Orders $40 and more ship free. If you haven't heard, Grubly's has a fantastic layer pellet and crumble feed. It's packed with plant and insect protein. It's perfect for those picky chickens and ducks. This offer does not apply to subscriptions and cannot be combined with any other discounts. It's a great time to try Grubbly Farms if you haven't yet. Use the code CWTCL30 for 30% off your first purchase. Try it today. Okay, so it's summer. How are you doing? Well, it's mid-August. There's one month left of summer. Yay. Yay. (laughs) I was kind of like, okay, I'm done with summer. Come on fall. We've had some bad thunderstorms. As we're sitting recording, you have no power at home. Mm-hmm. You're in the, we're in the studio today where we do have power, but you have no power at home. Well, you know, this is going to drop, what, about 10 days from now? Yeah, about that. No, in about a week about or so. About a week. Okay, yeah. That's right. We're, we're a little off on recording schedule. This is going to drop in about a week. All of this will be behind us, I hope. Yeah. Last I heard, Pete texted me a little while ago and said our power was not supposed to be on until tomorrow night at 11. It was the crazy storms that the news I've been talking about the entire day. You're one county over and a little tiny bit. You're a little bit more north. Mm-hmm. And they came through the county next to you super hard, like blew, wiped out that county. Blew through Carroll County, blew through my neighborhood. And then by the time they got into me, it was bad, but not as bad. So it was we like- We got super lucky. We had one big maple tree come down uh, back in our woods. Right. On the trail we walk on, not the end of the world. Barn was fine. Coops were fine. All the animals were good. That's all that matters. At, at the family farm, too. Everyone was okay. Yeah. So. Thank goodness. Yep. I mean, it's one of those things. Everyone says, oh, I love to watch a thunderstorm. But when you have animals that mm. live outside, <laughs> it takes a different turn. You're, I'm on well, edge you now know, ever since last summer. There I'm are on all edge. kinds of things that people don't think about, too. Like in the case of grazing animals like horses or, or sheep, it, you can't have cherry tree leaves come down and leave them there. Yeah. So you've got to try to like get them out of your pastures yep. or keep the animals out of the pastures for a couple of weeks. We know our brains go to the animals all the time. Right. I'll tell you, when we were on vacation in Florida last month, we went over to Sanibel Island, which is known for the sea shelling there. Mm-hmm. It's like we were calling it shelling. We were, And they were <laughs> wiped out last September for Hurricane right. Ian. And they're still not up and going. Like the businesses still weren't open. They were mm-hmm. still boarded up. They're still waiting for insurance money. I mean, they're mm. three miles wide, six miles long, a barrier island off of the coast of Florida. Right. And what I kept thinking is 
all the animals that lived there that had no idea that 11 feet of water was coming and just washing over the entire place. Mm -hmm. But that's just where I go. I always think about the animals first. Me too. I mean, that's like, yeah, get safe, get safe. But hey, let's hope your power comes back on sooner rather than later. We already have to, we have both of our freezers are on solar battery packs so they're fine. Our fridge is done for. Yeah. That stuff is gone. (laughs) Say bye-bye. I'm really disappointed too, because I bought a food dehydrator. Oh, nice. I have a ton of really nice cherry tomatoes. I want to dry for sun-dried tomatoes Mm -hmm. and I have a ton of herbs that I want to dry powder them so I can use them for tinctures and things. Yeah. Well, I can't use it while the power's not on. Nope. We need that power to come back on. (laughs) We do. But, you know, we're closer to fall. Fall always is like the nice time to me, but it's always busy. But I'm like, I'll take fall. I'll take fall and spring all year round. Can we do that? Chris, every season's busy now. (laughs) It It really is. It is. It never ends. Well, on that note, if you're listening to our show and you're loving it, head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a written review. It does amazing things for the growth of our show. And while you're there, hit that subscribe button for two reasons. One, you never, ever miss an episode. And two, it's another great way that it helps us grow. If you're looking for other ways to help support the podcast, you can share your favorite episodes on social media. You can tell some chicken-loving friends about the podcast. Like a thousand. You can visit our Etsy shop, check out the t-shirts and mugs we have there. You can become a patron of the show, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Check out the Lovers of Membership. An enormous thank you to all of our patrons. Some of them have been with us for a few years now. We really appreciate it. We love you guys. You've become friends. It's so nice. The other thing you can do to help support the podcast is you can visit our website, and our show notes, use our affiliate links and discount codes and buy products from our sponsors. Yay! Hey, Chris. Yeah? Do you like subscription boxes? Does it have anything to do with chickens? Of course. Then yeah. Let me take a minute to tell you about the Chicken Love Box. If you love goodies for your chickens and you, you need to go to chickenlove.com. I love the Mega Box. Tons of useful products for my flock and a chicken tea for me. You can't go wrong with a chicken tea. They are so cute and so soft. In the February box, I absolutely love the red iron rooster trivet and the seed block. I really love that egg timer. It's going to be great when I'm baking. And those chicken stickers are going to be awesome on notes I send out. Boxes start at $39 a month. They ship immediately after your order and shipping is always free. Such a great deal. Don't wait. Get off the nest and click already. Use the code CWTCL50 for 50% off your first box of a three-month subscription or more. That's chickenlove.com. That's chickenluv.com. Get your subscription today. Have you heard of Strong Animals Chicken Essentials? They make natural supplements for your flock. Strong Animals has used plant-based products and natural approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. Their products contain organic essential oils, prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to support the immune system and digestive health. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals Health Products. Visit GetStrongAnimals.com today. The Breed Spotlight is brought to you by Murray McMurray Hatchery, defining quality for generations. For over a century, Murray McMurray Hatchery has remained a trusted family-owned business working tirelessly to ensure our poultry meet the highest standards. Whether you are an experienced enthusiast or just embarking on the journey, look to McMurray Hatchery for guaranteed quality rare and heritage breeds, low minimums, and all the supplies you need to raise your flock. Request a free catalog today. 
La 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 la. Time for the breed spotlight, yeah. Short and sweet. Short and sweet. Yeah. So this week's breed spotlight, we're talking the Isa Brown. The Isa Brown. Now this is one that everyone out there, I I want to hear a big cheer coming back at us because everyone's been asking for a hybrid. <laughs> so we're gonna give you a hybrid today. We're talking the Isa Brown. The Isa Brown. So the Isa Brown is a hybrid. We've had some requests to do some more hybrids lately. A lot of requests. Mm-hmm. So the Isa Brown is one of the older hybrids. Now hybrids. If you're a new listener, we'll just explain this quickly. Hybrids are chickens that result from certain crosses of breeds. Right. But they do not breed true. I think our analogy there is like a purebred dog. We were talking about it a few weeks ago when we did our analogies of hybrids versus heritage. Right, right. So that means that each generation of chicks has to come directly from the parent stock. You can't breed succeeding generations together because they will devolve into a muddy mix of genetics, all with varying appearances. And depending on who you talk to, a lot of these chickens will develop health problems along the line, especially reproductive problems. Right. That's the number one thing they get is reproductive problems. The Isa Brown, their actual parentage is kind of a, what would we call that? A corporate secret? Right. Industrial secret? Exactly. No one can know. There are various sources that speculate that some of the foundation breeds used for the Isa Brown are White Leghorns and Rhode Island Reds. By looking at them, they have the body shape of the Rhode Island Red, mm-hmm. and they have the egg-laying ability of the Leghorn. Super layers, yeah. And they're a lighter color of the Rhode Island Red, which would have the white That's mixing true. In. That's true. So I'm not sure whether you would have to have the Leghorn be male or female parent, because right. it does matter. That is a secret. Right. But again, yeah, corporate secret. So the other thing you want to know about hybrid chickens is that they're usually sex-linked. Right. In heritage breeds, we call that autosexing. Mm-hmm. In hybrids, it's sex-linked. And they were developed that way to make it easier to separate pullets and cockerels. Right. Industrial farms do not want to use their time and money on male chicks. They want female stock only. Exactly. And they wanted to make it hard fast that when you're going to buy girls, you're going to get girls. The hybrid's claim to fame is their extraordinary laying ability. The Isa Brown hen will usually lay 300 plus the oh, first year. Whopping 300 plus their first year. Sometimes into the second. Sometimes the second too. But again, there are really big trade-offs in their health. And you're going to see a major drop back to where they really should be after the first two years. Mm-hmm. So let's put that aside. Way back in episode 30, we talk about the brown shaver chicken and how they were developed. And we mentioned this because the brown shaver and the Isa Brown are both currently owned and managed by a company called Hendrix Genetics. It's the same company. The Isa Brown was originally developed in France in 1978 by the Institut de Selection Animale, Isa, I-S-A. Yeah. Isa is an acronym. So that's why it's always in capital letters when you see this breed listed somewhere. Now, in 1997, ISA merged with pharmaceutical giant Merck. I personally had no idea they were in the industrial egg-laying business. There's so many companies out there, and you're like, how was this company in the egg-laying business? I didn't think they were, but Merck is a medical company, and well, now they're in the egg-laying business? Well, you know, what you, you hear people say all the time, like, most of the capital in the United States is owned by, like, 10 businesses. Maybe it's true. Yeah, they're, like, under the umbrella of one name, and they have right. all these different mini companies that you didn't know. No. Well, so Merck was in there, and the new company they created was Isa Hubbard. Okay. Now, sometimes you'll see references to Hubbard-Brown hybrids. Mm-hmm. These are the Isas. They're still Isa Browns. Still Isa Browns. Isa and Hubbard split in 2005, 
and then ISA merged with Hendrix Genetics, still the current source of the ISA brown. This is still one of the reasons why the hybrid breed spotlights aren't as fun because we're just talking about swapping different companies. Corporations and genetics companies and lab work. Exactly. It's certainly not the same fun of Queen Victoria and her coaches. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not at all. Or they came over on this boat and went here. Right. Or they were here. You know, it's... And this person found this flock and brought them back from the brink of extinction. It's, nope, we're talking corporate labs. Industrialization of, you know, chickens. And which company buys out the other mm-hmm. company for more. And the unfortunate part is, or the fortunate is, that these birds end up being so friendly and so nice. Oh, they're so sweet. ISA does offer an ISA white as well. Yes. I don't know if they offer it in the U.S. I couldn't really trace it down. I could just find that it existed. It's out there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so ISA browns, because they're the same parent stock every time, they have a consistent appearance. What do they look like? Well, like we said earlier, in the very beginning, they look like the Rhode Island Red. Mm-hmm. Their body shape looks like the chubby little Rhode Island Reds, and they are lighter, which we were saying could be somehow the white leg horn coming in Mm -hmm. and not having, that could be a recessive versus a dominant gene so that the, you know, the color that way. They're cute chickens. Mm -hmm. They're very cute chickens. They're a very light brown. They're the typical barnyard mix looking chicken. They have some consistent features. Right. So they have the yellow legs and the yellow beak. The red comb and waddles. Straight comb. Yes, it's straight. Straight comb. (laughs) They're probably a little bit lighter than the Rhode Island Red. They are a lot lighter. And what do you think? I think that tail looks a little upright, like it could be some leghorn influence. It looks a little bit more upright, Mm -hmm. but that body is carrying spicy around. Oh my God, I lifted up spicy the other day. Chunka chunka. Well, constantly I lift her. Every time I lift her up, I'm like, I need a forklift. She is- Uh Uh-uh, that's huggable chunkable. Oh my God. They She's have that little full look of love. where they're going to like that sturdy look that's kind of short to the ground. And, mm-hmm. you know, they have the same look as the Rhode Island Red. You know, the Leghorns are probably mixed in with most other hybrid laying breeds. My guess. Because they I want mean, them laying the most eggs they can. Yeah. And Leghorns are the top of the list. As we said before, the Isa roosters, you don't generally see them. They do exist. I mean, and you probably can procure them if you want them. It's sad to me. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's, it's sad, sad to me on on that count that basically you're excluding the boy because you're like, we can and we're going to do that. And anytime a creature is commoditized, the boy is out. Collateral. It's often the males. There's, it's in the chicken world, it's often the males. It mm-hmm. always is. And it's sad because they do serve a purpose and they are cute little boys. When we're looking at pictures of them, you know I'm looking at pictures on my laptop right it's now. It's sad for a bunch of reasons. I'm not saying I have any answers. It just, it's a it's a bit rough sometimes. It is sad to, to me. Yeah. Yeah. The base color of the Isa Brown, their base color is actually white. Right. And then they have red feathers around their shoulders and red flecks through the other sections of their feathering. And their tail does have white in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So- Rhode Island Red Leghorn probably would be the classic. I, I see that, yeah. If we had to get in there and do a secret mission and find it, we'd be like, oh, yeah, we knew. There's we knew. no way we would ever be able to get con- <laughs> inconspicuously through anything that has to do with chickens. They'd be like, oh, my God, the chicken ladies are here. Call security now. <laughs> Pour them coffee and get them out. <laughs> okay, so they do lay quite a large egg. It's large to extra large, mm-hmm. okay? And they're brown eggs. Like we said earlier, 300 plus the first two years. Yeah. Up to the first two years. Right. 
that is pretty massive. And some of them will live a few more years and they will keep laying. They're probably not going to do that over the top number from the first couple of years, but they'll still lay very well. If you think about the British Hen Welfare Trust and other organizations that rescue spent layers. Exactly. People say all the time they continue to lay. Mm-hmm. It's just not at the standard that these people, the farmers, want them to lay. They've been engineered to be super layers. And for most backyard chicken keepers, it's more than enough. A lot of people just take them in as pets, right? the rescues. And so they'd be fine if they didn't lay ever again. Exactly. But a lot of them do. Those half-naked battery cage hens that you see are often isobrowns. Yes. They lay so much that they literally deplete their reserves and they have very little left to go into feather making. And their genes don't allow them that usual fall-winter rest that most breeds get. Right. That's what happens when you're engineered to be a super layer. Well, that's why we say there's little things that you can do as a pet chicken owner to kind of slow them down a little Mm -hmm. bit on your own. No artificial light in that coop at all. Keeping it as dark as possible and letting them just lay naturally. Yes. And giving them top quality food and grain. Everything that they need has to be top quality Mm -hmm. to keep everything going. But the problem is... They can still have reproductive cancers and reproductive problems. Right. That laying can often lead to issues like prolapse, aegyc peritonitis, and the shortened lifespan that just comes from their their genetics. And unfortunately, their lifespan, we've said this a lot, is only tops four to five years, Mm -hmm. where the heritage breeds are going to top between eight and ten years. I did find, you know, a handful of examples where people had isobrands that lived as old as six to eight years, which is wonderful. Right. It's and not, if you can do it, do it. It's not the average, but it, it is possible in some of these cases. I really think it takes top-notch nutrition. Mm-hmm. It takes no artificial light. It takes making their environment as much as normal to a normal heritage breed chicken as you can. But you still never know genetically if they're gonna if they're predisposed to the reproductive cancer. That's the worst case. Now, if you have one that does get a prolapse or has an egg stuck, that can be helped with veterinary care. Right, right. So, yeah. you yeah. know, that's a good thing that, you know, you can take them to the vets. I feel like, and this is uh, something down the road that we'll talk about, you know, as I do my herbal training, you and I talk through all these things, and we've wondered if there is some sort of natural formulation that would help regulate the hormones right of hybrids uh, to this date we don't kn- we don't know any no because, but it's an interesting question right because that's what they're bred to do it's exactly. almost like a machine and mm-hmm. that's that's the thing that is so sad in all of this they essentially become super ovulators exactly yeah so let's go into their personality because this is the good part and they do have fantastic personalities they're known yeah. to be cuddly they want to be with you mm-hmm They are really good pet chicken as long as you're aware of the things that you need to do or that they may have a shortened lifespan. Just give them happiness every single day that they're on this earth. The roosters, if you ever manage to get your hands on one of the roosters, are also supposed to be very human friendly. Just remember, if you breed an isobrown to an isobrown, you're not going to get an isobrown. You're going to get a barnyard mix. And that's fine if that's what you want to do. That's fine. I'm looking at this picture right now of the female and the male. This is through Hoover Hatchery. They mm-hmm. put a picture up. And there is a distinct difference. 
So Hoover has them? It looks like Hoover's Hatcheries has them. I guess that means that they're one of the older hybrids. And at that point, a lot of times you can get them from hatcheries, like the Golden Comet. Right. And you no longer have to get these directly from a genetics company, unless you're, say, a corporation that's buying them for egg production. Right. So yeah, this picture is from them, but the distinct differences between the two one day old between these two. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no mistaking a male and a female. The no. female in the picture is a more of a red, dark color where the male is a distinct yellow, bright yellow chick. They're very different. They're yeah. very different. So they did make it very easy to make them sex links so that you can tell for sure. The other thing is our food supply stores, farm supply stores, they have Isa Browns a lot. Okay. So that just, it's probably because they're so old. They've probably gone through the patent process so many times that they're available now through certain hatcheries. Right. The downside to Isa Browns, I I only found a couple of people saying this, but I'm mentioning it in case it's it's a reality. Some people noted that the Isa Brown hens are known for not tolerating new flock additions very well. So they might be a little sassy in a mixed flock. Maybe just the integration is a little rocky. Right, because they know where their place is. Mm-hmm. And- I mean, if you have integrated Isa Browns and you have some commentary on that, let us know. We'd love yeah, to hear it. Yeah, we would definitely love to hear how it went. I can see that because generally when people buy them, a lot of times they're farmers Mm -hmm. and they get them like 100, 200 at a time. And they're probably disposing of them as they age out and not even worried about an integration. Or a lot of times there is a a farm near us and I'm always worried because they have always like 100 of them isoprounds at a time. Mm Mm-hmm. And the fence is low, and I'm like, oh, I know you. I know where you're talking about. Yes, and I'm always like, oh, the predators. Yeah. But at that point, it, you just don't know. I mean, they probably wouldn't even realize they have a lot. They wouldn't probably wouldn't even realize they'd had chickens picked off unless they have a lot of them. This one's really cool. Look at that picture with the boy. He's, oh, he's gorgeous. Boy, he's really handsome. Yeah, he is really handsome. Another thing that is a is a good thing about them if you're just looking for a layer. They don't go broody often. Right. So that's a great thing. And their personality. I mean, that's going to bring you in because they're a really big family bird. The problem is you're going to get your children attached to them. And right. Then- they're great for kids, but then... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you always have that trade-off. Uh, they're an interesting bird. I mean, the fact that they're one of the early hybrids is really interesting. The fact that they might be just Leghorn and Rhode Island Red in some way. It might help them live a little longer. Mm-hmm. The other thing, it's like... Isa Browns and Golden Comets, I put them together, as in they're almost grandfathered in. Well, yeah, yeah. You see them so much. They were very early versions of hybrids. They, yeah, yeah, they were like the original super layers. Oh, for sure. So, you know where I'm going to go with this. If you have an Isa Brown, here is your chance. Send us those pictures. We'd love to give you a story on our stories on Instagram. We want to show off the Isa Brown. Especially if you have one of those handsome roos. If they you have very, a roo, man, yeah. definitely send us the picture. Beautiful boy. But we want to celebrate them the day this comes out. Absolutely. Because they are an important chicken and we want to celebrate them. So well, send us your pictures. No one can deny their incredible contribution to feeding the world. Definitely. If you're looking for a chicken coop that's produced in a planet-friendly, sustainable way, try Nestera. Each coop is made from highly durable, 100% recycled plastic that keeps the equivalent of up to 2,000 shampoo bottles out of a landfill. Their clean, modern design will fit into any garden or run area and comes with an industry-beating 25-year warranty and a range of handy accessories. Simple to put together, so quick and easy to clean, and most importantly, red mite resistant. 
Your chickens will love it. Quick shipping from nestera.us. For a 5% discount, use the affiliate link in our show notes, on our website, and on Instagram. Link in bio. Check them out today. Roosties proudly sponsors Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. We personally use Roosties products with our chickens and we're huge fans. They have their awesome nesting pads, do-it-yourself feeder and waterer kits, and they've just released their best product ever, a new chick feeder and waterer set. They have adjustable legs to keep food and water clean. They're super well-made, and the feeder even has a removable lid so it can easily be filled from the top. So if you're raising chicks or keeping chickens, all their products are available for prime delivery on Amazon.com. Check out the Roosty store on Amazon or follow the link in our show notes. Okay, so let's move on to main topic. Yeah. 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 Okay, this week's main topic, we're kind of staying on a theme here. And I don't think it's kind of. I think we are <laughs> we are deep into talking about chicken rescue. Yeah, so we're talking about battery hens a lot of times being isobrowns. Now, we want to talk about everything that you're going to need to know about rescuing chickens because I feel like everyone has their heart in the right place and sometimes they get in there and it's too much mm-hmm. or you don't you're overwhelmed mm-hmm. and you're like what did I get myself into? So let's talk about these things before we get to that point so that you'll be ready to rescue some chickens. Yeah, this is like a bunch of practical tips and things to think about. So rescuing chickens or really any other animal honestly is not for the faint of heart. It really isn't because generally you're rescuing, and keep in mind, rescuing them from a situation that's not always the best. So the health of the chicken is not going to be top notch. I mean, they often come out of poor conditions. Sometimes they are in seriously ill health. They may require a vet or, or at least a vast amount of chicken nursing experience. Right. With chickens, the one thing that we have realized over all these years, over all these years, is that nursing is... One of the things- Oh, it's that, critical. It's critical in chicken keeping. Mm-hmm. You also might be dealing with both the pain and joy of caring for birds that are in old age or nearing the end of their lifespan. You might be facing the need for more supplies, including more coops, more runs, more pop-ups. The dangers of spreading disease is huge. And also you need to make sure you have the ability to meet their social needs. Right. So I want to talk about the differences because dogs and cats and other animals- come about to be rescued all the time. And it's a different rescue. It's a different type of thing. When you have dogs and cats, you can bring illnesses in with puppies. You can bring parvo, you can bring intestinal parasites, you can bring other things. A lot of those things aren't life-threatening to take out the other animal that you have. They Mm -hmm. may become ill, you may have to... But when you adopt and rescue chickens, Mm -hmm. a chicken illness can very quickly take out your entire flock. It can, yeah. So... It's a different type of rescue and it's different type of thing to be set up for because respiratory illnesses and even parasites, if they come with mites and lice, Mm -hmm. they can take out your entire flock in a very short amount of time. Absolutely. I mean, any of the viruses that can spread through chickens. I think with livestock, you have that too. Yeah. Again, I don't think as severely as the birds, but you know, like with sheep, there's a very deadly form of pneumonia that can be spread. And because of that, The number one thing you need to be able to do if you are rescuing chickens is quarantine. Right. So that's number one. Like if I keep going back to dog and cats because it's such, it's easy to compare them and see the differences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you adopt a dog and cat, you get the vaccines beforehand, you can do preventative measures, and then you're still going to quarantine a little bit, but it's not on the same level. So quarantine is so important. And we should also say that while 
some of this, when we say rescue, you're, and we'll talk about this at the end when we talk about where you're rescuing from, but some of this, it may be that you go and adopt from a rescue that has rescued the chickens themselves. Right. Or it could be you doing the rescuing. Right. And most of this is going to apply to you doing the rescuing. It's going to be you see an ad on Facebook or Instagram, normally never on Instagram, but on Facebook, on a group somewhere, this chicken needs a home, Mm -hmm. or somebody tags you in a post and says, these chickens need a home, and you want to help them out, that's a rescue. Right. Now, because they're different than dogs and cats, even if you do say go to your local animal shelter, I mean, we know people who have adopted from animal shelters and brought home chickens filled with lice. Yeah. It could happen. And a lot of that's because the staff just doesn't know what to look for. Right. So quarantine is our first thing that we want to talk about. Uh And that's why it's so important because in poultry or in avian, let's say avian, disease virus spreads so much quicker than in any other animal. It Mm -hmm. goes from animal to animal. There needs to be a quarantine and it can't just be a corner of the run where they're all still seeing each other and in the same air. It has to be completely separate. And generally, this isn't going to be popular, but it has to be at least for 30 days because you have to see what's going to pop up and deal with it. And believe me, You'll be happy that you do it for 30 days. If things pop up, you're treating one chicken versus your 25 chickens. That's exactly right. So I would, besides quarantining, number one, I would take the chicken to the veterinarian for an exam Mm -hmm. before you even go home. Mm -hmm. That's something I would do personally. Right. I would say, hey, Dr. Rebecca, I want to adopt this chicken. Can you look at her? Because they're trained eyes to look for lice, everything. Yes. Run a stool sample. You can do those things before you're walking in the door with the chicken. And in some cases, people who actually run rescues, like nonprofit rescues, they do that. Have partnerships with various veterinary offices. Yes. So if you're thinking about setting up a rescue, that is something that you can look into, find a vet to partner with. Especially like British Head Welfare Trust, they're yeah. going to make sure that they're sending out healthy chickens. Right. Again, that's adopting from someone who has done a lot of the medical care first, which if you're just looking to dip your toe in, that's probably the best way to go. I 1 million percent agree. Seeing an ad for this chicken needs a home or mm-hmm. somebody two two miles away is saying their chicken needs a home. Right. You don't always know what you're bringing in. And no. unfortunately, the upper respiratory spreads like wildfire. Yeah, it really does. It, it goes very quickly. So quarantine, I mean, our best advice is to have them with as much space between as possible. I mean, as far away as possible. Take care of your existing chickens. And change your clothes and shoes before you take care of the rescues. And wash your hands and All do of everything that. so that you're not carrying one thing to the other. Biosecurity really is that important when you're bringing them in. Yeah. You were mentioning a vet. So that's our second thing. Is right. You're going to need medical care resources. So that's going to be the vet or yourself or someone else with a lot of chicken care experience. And that also means setting up a very advanced medical kit, first aid kit. Yeah. I mean, if this were a neighbor's chicken that I didn't know what was going on with and I were adopting, there are a few things I would do first of all, which, okay, I would go to Dr. Rebecca. But secondly, if I didn't even do that, I would have safeguard on hand, which is a broad spectrum dewormer Mm -hmm. that you give and then an egg withdrawal for 10 days. And I would give that the very first day that they come to my house. Just deworm them. Instantly. Mm -hmm. And start there. And then understanding that you're going to have to look through feathers to see if you see lights and mice. You're going to have to look at the legs to see if they look scaly from scaly leg mites. They have to make sure they're eating. All those different things. 
no discharge from the beak. Yeah, all that's really important. Just, I think you said mice and lights. <laughs> <laughs> mites and lice. But yeah, I would say regular exams, like on the daily, unless this bird is stressed out of their mind, gently handling them and giving them exams every day just to check all of those things. I mean, here you really did it with important. Rambo recently. We did it with Rambo. We did it with the rescue boys that we took in two years ago. Now they were on a different farm. The astrolopes were on the family farm, yes. Rambo we couldn't put over there because the coops there, I mean, the runs there are no longer predator-proof. So Rambo was in a pop-up way far away from everyone. Right. And yeah, we checked him on the daily. Actually, probably more than once. I mean, we handled him a lot in the beginning. You have to really check for health problems and issues because the fear of them going so quickly through an entire flock, mm-hmm. that's why avian flu is such a disastrous thing because right. it spreads so easily. Once one chicken gets it, another chicken gets it, mm-hmm. and it's just out there. So, you know, understanding those. And let's talk about social needs. You talked about social needs. That's another thing. This chicken's going to be by themselves for a while. This is going to give you a time to create that bond with them individually. It most definitely does. And then once they're- Unless it's Rambo. Unless it's Rambo. <laughs> Rambo's not a fan of me, but he loves Pete. He is Pete's rooster. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> The thing with Rambo is when he gets really wound up and he wants to start spurring everyone, I think I'm more able to deal with that than Pete because I can read his body language and wait until he's relaxed and backed up before, say, I put his water in. Right. Pete put his water in, got spurred in the hand. (laughs) Shoot. Yeah. Which normally he would have been, you know, mad about. And who can blame him because it hurts when things stab you in the hand. Oh, yeah. But that's his darling. So he was just like, I was too slow. It was just (laughs) like Joe with Patchy. They do no wrong. Yeah, yeah. But watching their social and emotional needs also means figuring out what the best companion for them would be. Will they do okay with a bachelor flock? Right. Do they need to be by themselves with maybe their own lady friend? Right. Did you get yourself into this? Now, this may come up. This came up for Holly Ann. You're going to adopt a chicken that may not mesh with your existing flock. Right. That is a possibility. So you need to know, like we go back to say, what do you need? You may need extra space to make this chicken a new home. Right. The other thing is, I mean, you need space for quarantine. So you need to make sure you have a place and a pop-up at mm-hmm. least. At least, right. We have them on our Amazon storefronts, the ones that we love, so that in a garage, a basement, a bathroom, a place like this where this chicken can be, and you're going to have to give this chicken a lot of extra attention socially because right. you're going to be their little flock for a while. And their breed's going to help you a little bit figuring out what social interactions work best for them. Right. You know, so if you're bringing in, say, a rescued coach and you don't want to throw him or her in the middle of a bunch of Morans. Right. It's funny you say that because the baby coachins are going in with the Morans. Yeah, I thought about it and I thought, I don't know about that. Well, <laughs> but, but you can use their breed as a little bit of an indicator. Keeping in mind that this bird may have had a lot of negative experiences And they may be, regardless of their breed, very reactive and fearful. Those are the things you don't know and you have to learn as that first 30 days goes. Mm -hmm. And I can't stress enough that it's not enough to put a little fence in between and a run because they breathe the same air there. Everything happens. Oh, for a quarantine? For a quarantine. It has to be quarantined Mm -hmm. and away. And, you know, everyone, we feel bad for all these chickens that need homes out there, especially these boys. But- the boys, you need to know your your female hen to, to rooster ratio. You need to know how this is going to go. And a lot of times the rescue chickens that you're rescuing are adults. 
they might have already had a they've had a life beforehand and they've right. had habits they're set in. You kind of have to go see these things and see where where you're going to be. I mean, I've seen a lot of variations, including putting a rooster in with hens and the hens attack him. Oh yeah, I mean it happens. I've heard about that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it happens for a bunch of reasons, and sometimes they get past that, and sometimes they don't. Right. So be ready for those types of problems that mm-hmm. could come up, and know before you even see these things. Think ahead a few steps so that it's going to save you. Right. Okay, if this doesn't work, I know that I can put something in this section mm-hmm. or I'm going to have to build or I'm going to have to get a little coop. This is where we were talking about the Nestera coops are great for this. Yeah, any maker, Nestera has the smaller coops that are really convenient if you just have one or two little birds to go oh, in yeah. them. Yeah, for sure. And those are really nice coops that you can put together easily, take them apart easily, mm-hmm. move them around. And get some runs so that you can set them up a spot. These are things just to think ahead about. Yeah. I mean, and obviously, a lot of what we're saying, you can do just with hands on time. But some of what we're saying does involve some financial commitment. It does. You know what comes to my mind is thinking of Christina with Dude. Our friend Christina over in LA, Mm -hmm. she adopted Dude. Right. It was a Polish. Yeah. It was a Polish rooster. Fell in love with him. But man, she had to nurse him back. He was covered with lice and mites. Everything. When she got him. I mean, he was in very sad Respiratory shape. Respiratory disease too, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. Like and she had to take him to the vets and, and everything else. And she was so all about him and it took months to get him to where he is now. But you have to have that dedication. And I know everyone wants to be able to save them all. We do too. But unfortunately, knowing your boundaries. You do have to know what you're looking at to some extent, unless you get lucky. If you do have a bird that you rescue that has a respiratory infection, it could just be a bacterial infection, or it could be a form of pneumonia, or it could be something like mycoplasma. Yeah. And that can go through your flock. Or Merix, you know, depending upon age. Yeah. So we've had a lot of people reach out to us over the years. You know, I just adopted these birds and one is dying or it's that is also a possibility of something that can happen because stress on top of mm-hmm. an animal that's sick like a chicken is enough to put them over the edge. Right. They often don't have a lot of physical resources to deal with stress. No. And stress is, I think we under we as a people underestimate the amount of damage that stress can do to humans and animals. Oh, it's immense. But if you hear all of this and you want to do it- mm-hmm. Thank God there are Absolutely. people out there that want to. We need more people who are willing to rescue. Pete and I do what we can here and there. Right. We're also getting up there in age. You know, when I was younger, I had 17 rescue llamas in alpacas. Yeah. I can't I physically do that anymore. No. You know, so I still, of my 10 sheep, three of them are rescues. Yeah. The, it's You do what you can and you know your own boundaries, what mm-hmm. you want to set. Right. And like I said, if you hear all these things and you're like, I am up for this, then please, we beg of you to do it because it is so rewarding. And we always say the animals that get rescued, two of my dogs are rescues. They know it forever and they love you forever for it. They really do. Rambo knows it. (laughs) Rambo. Rambo, he doesn't know it He's like, here you go. Thanks for rescuing me. Boom. Judging by his spur size, (laughs) I think he's probably like a year and a half old. Yeah. Or a year or something like that. Yeah. He's a youngin, I think. So let's talk about where, if you want to do this, besides on the Facebook chicken groups where you're going to see, I need to get rid of 10 chickens, where can you go first? In the UK, obviously, you can start with the British Hen Welfare Trust or some of the other really good rescue organizations there. If you're in France, there is one too, if you're listening to us in France. Yes. If you're in the US, there are a couple of rescues where you can adopt from, including Hen Harbor, 
At this point, we don't have anything like the British Hen Welfare Trust. So most chicken rescue tends to be private people or private sanctuaries. Right. Private animal rescue places. Your local SPCA, mine always has chickens. It always has chickens. I think right now you could go to any animal shelter or humane society in Maryland, and they'll each have at least one chicken for adoption, if not more. They're there. You can go to Adopt-A-Bird Network. It's a really good place to find birds if you're looking to adopt from a rescue. is amazing. Uh, Adopt-A-Bird Network is a place that showcases birds all around the country that are in the SPCA, that are in the animal shelter systems. Mm -hmm. And if you see one that you really like, then and it's in your area, then you know where to go through the shelters. But even through the shelters, we recommend the quarantine yeah, and medical care. Just be cognizant of the fact that the, the shelter employees and volunteers love these animals and they do their best, but they often just don't know anything about chickens. Yeah, it's just so hard. So if you can, please do, but just know and be cautious of the guidelines because we don't want you to go out and rescue and then lose your flock. Right. Now, free posts. Oh, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of friends, too, that tag me, and this person has these chickens. And you have to kind of know where you stand in that because you can't rescue every single chicken out there. For me, it's a gut read. Yeah. And it's usually pretty quick. I I can read through something and know pretty quickly whether I can take this animal or not. Right. Rambo was obviously a yes. (laughs) The Astrolorps were a yes. I can't always do it but I will when I can. But like I said, after all these years, it's a gut read for me. I'll know like right away. No, we can do that. No, we can't do that. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just all about setting your own boundaries and where you are in life. If you have a lot going on, it's going to be a stressful first 30 days. I I will tell you. It is very stressful. One of the stresses can simply be the fact that either this bird is too far gone or this bird is very advanced in age and you're essentially going to be giving hospice care. Or it's very young and very ill, debilitated with intestinal parasites, outward parasites, and just nursing. Yeah. There can be really bad situations that, and there's nothing wrong with A, not having the time or B, not having the heart. Right. It's hard. It's very hard. And there's nothing wrong with knowing that you can't do that. It's okay. So let's list one more time. Adopt-A-Bird Network. Mm-hmm. If you're in the UK, British Hen Welfare Trust. Right. If you're in France, there's a rescue there. There's different places. There's Hen Harbor over here mm-hmm. in the States. There's a l- different places and a plethora of rescues. Right. Often, once people know that you have chickens, they'll say, hey, my son's girlfriend's yeah. uncle's <laughs> brother is getting rid of his flock. Can you take them? And it's often like you need to take them now. Something bad's going to happen to them. Right. And again, that's that's your own gut call right there. Right. And if you can't do it, don't feel bad. No, don't feel bad. But if you are prepared to do it, just know that those can be a nightmare. They can be. It can. Just we want you to be aware of it. Just don't go in blindly. Go in educated and go in knowing and thinking a few steps ahead will help you. Also be safe. Do not go to some of those places by yourself to pick up birds. Oh, no. Never, ever. And if you get there and you feel the need to run, then you should turn around and leave. Yeah. Or if you're trying to place a rooster into a home, know that you have to really specify that this rooster is not supposed to be eaten. Oh, if you are trying to rehome a rooster? Yeah. You should charge money for them. Yeah, exactly. Because people will take free roosters by the boatload and then use them for things like falconry baiting. Right. Or um, just eat them. 
Yeah, or or eat them. Right, right. So just be careful. It is a it is a very it's like a jagged side of a mountain that you're going up with rescue. It's <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I can think of. Just be careful. You can do it. And the top is, you know, this amazing view. But along the way, there are hiccups and just know how to navigate them. Be prepared as well as you can possibly be prepared. That's all we're saying. Yeah. Okay. So here's another thing. I'm going to say this today because I, I said it before for Isa Browns. But if you have rescue chickens this week and mm. you want to send us pictures, we want to see them. We love a good rescue. We love it. Okay. So let's move on to... Cracking the eggs. Cracking those eggs. Now, this week we were brainstorming and we were like, what can we come up with that's really good for the summer? And you brought up this one and I was like, yeah, sounds good. These are fresh mint and blackberry cupcakes. Yay. And you you do use fresh mint in them. Which I have a boatload of fresh mint around my house right now. These are really delicious. They're great for late summer when you have a boatload of mint. Mm. There are a couple of steps for the blackberry frosting. So you can actually start that one a day or so in advance. Yeah. And you can use frozen blackberries if you want to. That's fine. If you want to use, yeah. Or if you want to go to the farmer's market or if you want to go to the Walmart, Mm -hmm. wherever you want to get your blackberries is fine. And honestly, at the end of the day, if you don't have fresh mint, you can use dried mint or you can use mint extract if you really need to. And the grocery store always has fresh mint. Right. You can buy it for like 99 cents. You can also experiment and try this with other herbs. I think that lemon balm might be a really good one. Oh, yeah. So ingredients. Let's go through the ingredients for the cupcake part. Now, this is, you're going to need one and a half cups of all-purpose flour or gluten-free one-to-one, a teaspoon of baking powder, quarter teaspoon of baking soda. We want this to rise. A generous pinch of salt. Now, if you're using salted butter, take that salt out. Two-thirds a cup of finely chopped fresh mint leaves, a cup of sugar, two large eggs, always at room temperature, a teaspoon of vanilla extract, and a half a cup of buttermilk at room temperature. With the fresh mint, you want to use small leaves. Yeah. I've used the really big ones, and they're kind of gnarly. They don't bake up the way you want them to. No, or you got to really mince them up. Yeah, really, really. So go with the smaller ones if you can. I have herb scissors that work really well. I love them. Yes, they're wonderful. Yeah. Okay, you're going to heat your oven at 350. You want to line a 12-cup cupcake pan with liners or spray it really well. Whisk all your dry ingredients together in a medium bowl. Set aside. Cream your butter, your mint or other herbs, and your sugar in a bowl until light and fluffy. My favorite part. I love doing that. I do too. You're going to add the eggs and vanilla one at a time. Scrape down the sides and beat well after each addition. And then I add all your dry ingredients. Well, you're going to add the flour mix with buttermilk in three additions. So you're going to go flour, buttermilk, and then the other half of the flour. Mix it just until combined. Pour it into the pans. It bakes pretty quickly, 15, 18 minutes or until a cake tester comes out clean. Now where the blackberry comes in is the frosting. That's the frosting. And obviously make sure these are completely cool before you start frosting. Okay, so the mints in the cupcake but the blackberries and the frosting, and that's how you get them both going. Right. So it's a cup of fresh blackberries, wine berries, or a berry of your choice, two tablespoons of fresh lemon, a cup or two sticks of unsalted butter, a half a teaspoon of salt, and if you're using salted butter, take out that, and four cups of one of my favorites, powdered sugar. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to add the blackberries and lemon juice to a small saucepan. Use the back of a big spoon or something else to smush it. You want all the juice to come from the back blackberries. Release a bit. You're going to cook them at a simmer for about 10 minutes. Take that pan off the heat. 
allow it to cool a bit. You're going to pour it through a fine mesh sieve to remove the seeds yeah, as much as possible. Yeah, those seeds are bad. You don't want to be having those in it your frosting. It messes up that good cupcake texture. Set that aside to cool completely. You can do this a day or two ahead of time and refrigerate the juice. In a large mixing bowl, you're going to beat that butter on medium speed until it lightens. That's going to be about three or four minutes. Add the optional salt. Then the confectioner's sugar in two or three batches. And you're going to beat it until it's blended and fluffy in texture. Once you've got it, no one wants to be defeated. No one wants to be defeated. (laughs) Once you have completely added in the powdered sugar, you're going to add the cooled blackberry syrup. Beat that for a few more minutes until it's thoroughly mixed, looks uniform, and is fluffy. You're going to generously frost each cupcake and then enjoy because they're really, really good. If you're feeling fancy, garnish each one with a blackberry and a mint leaf or two. And invite your bestie over to talk chickens. She wants a cupcake. And have some cupcakes and coffee. I mean, that's what we do all the time. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's fun to do. And try it. You might like it. It's easy and you can wow people. So let's move on to retail therapy. Retail therapy. Yeah. Yeah. This week's Retail Therapy, we're staying with our theme. Okay, so we're talking about Hen Harbor today as our rescue spotlight. Now, if you go to their website, there are ways that you can sponsor chickens there. You can donate. They talk about rooster aggression. They are all about adopting, and they keep a lot of poultry on the rescue itself. They're a permanent sanctuary to around 100 chickens and waterfowl. It's amazing. I love that you can adopt. If you don't have room for another bird, you can donate or sponsor an animal there, which I love. Right. So you can help out a rescue without taking on the rescue itself. I Mm -hmm. love that. And it says here their founder worked for almost two decades at the nation's largest animal protection organization. Wow. So they're really, they're one of the biggest ones in the U.S. Mm -hmm. for poultry of all different kinds. And it's a good way that if you want to help a cause to go and help them, I think they have an Amazon page so you can buy supplies for them. We'll link the website in the show notes so you can get to them easily. Some of their issues are issues that, you know, this community share. Spent battery hens, abandoned roosters, and something we've become aware of lately, and that's duck dumping. Exactly. That's a big thing that we did not even know existed mm-hmm. out there. And it is a huge thing now. It's a big problem. So, you know, the whole thing is go check out their website. We love what they're doing. We love all the good stuff they're doing for the poultry out there. And if you want to help, you can rescue from them that you can adopt from them, or you can sponsor, or you can just donate. It's awesome. It's wonderful. The photo on their front page looks like your Lucy. I know. It looks just Very like Lucy. Sweet. Okay. So, so should we tell everybody what we're going to be talking about next week? Next week, we are profiling a new breed. We have had so many requests for this. We have. We're giving in. It's the Indio Gigante. And it's Gigante. <laughs> Main topic. <laughs> we're going to talk about setting up a chicken hospital. This is one that's near and dear to me. I really think everyone should know the how to do you this. Need. Again, yeah. we've been getting a lot of questions from new folks. Ooh, cracking the eggs. Marshmallow mint chocolate chip ice cream. I've got to use all my mint. I've got to use it up. I know. You wanted mint again. So. Yes. And then retail therapy, we're going to be giving some both budget and new retail ways to find pop-ups and hospital shelters for your birds should they need them. For your chicken hospital. So, what should we tell everybody to do until next week? Hug your chickens. Every day and kiss them too. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. 
If you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a written review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com slash coffee with the chicken ladies. Thanks for listening.